Welcome everybody to another exciting Sunday for Gospel Saving Church. Uh, the title of our message today is going to be Love and Sacrifice, Part 2. Um, I thought we were going to get through the rest of the temptations of Christ in our scripture today, which is Matthew chapter 4. So if you guys want to start opening up to Matthew chapter 4. But fortunately, we're only actually going to get through verses 5 through 7. So that's only three or four. So that's, I hope we have enough time because God's given us a lot of info on this section of scripture. And I'm going to be excited about it. Uh, it's, this is the second recorded temptation of Christ when he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. So if you join me in a word of prayer as we begin our service, we're going to pray and just ask the Lord's anointing on this service and our ears and the listeners all over wherever they may be. And Lord, we just thank you so much for bringing us here, sweet Jesus. Thank you so much for the learning and the teaching of your word. Oh, I praise you, dear God, for this new church, gospel-saving church that you started here, Lord. And I just pray, Lord God, whatever you want for it, I pray, God, you would do it. However many people you want to be listening, I pray those are the amount of people that you want to be listening. And I pray, sweet Jesus, that you would help all those that are listening and me for teaching and all those that are here and all those that are listening to hear your word today, dear God, and to not only hear it, but, Lord, to do it. For it's not the doer of the word that's blessed, Lord God. It's, it's not the hearer of the word, excuse me, Lord, that's blessed. It's the doer. And so I pray, Lord God, that we would be the doers of the word and not just the hearers only. That you would touch people's hearts and minds and lives, dear God, by your Holy Spirit as I speak, as your word speaks through me. And that people would be riled, Lord God, and just excited about your word as I teach it, Lord. And, and ready to, to listen and take heed to what you have to tell us. And I pray you keep the enemy out, Lord God. Keep Satan out. Because we're in the, the temptations of Christ, Lord God, and where we see all Satan's little tricky tricks... And I pray, Lord God, that you would teach us better how to avoid them and how to battle them as we look at how he did it to you. And you gave us an example of what it's going to be like. We praise you and we thank you, Lord God. Keep enemy out. and May we help us to be attentive and to be listening, to be good listeners. And I pray you keep distractions down. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. So if you guys want to open your Bibles up, and I'll give you a moment to get there. In um, studying for this message, I just prayed and you know, I asked God what He wanted me to share with us out of His Word today. And uh, as we're going to look at it, I, I believe that God has some awesome little gold nuggets for us today in His Word for how we ought to be aware of Satan and so on and so forth and and even our response to what happens here today. We're going to continue to look at the love of Christ and what he went through for us. And that's the key of what God really, that's why it's love and sacrifice part two and there will be a part three um, as we finish out the last temptation of Christ next week. That'll be a part three, but this is part two. So God... In human form, Christ Jesus showed us his love by his restraint of his power in this message today. 
Let me explain. Jesus had Satan right there in front of him. Satan was insulting him, tempting him, disrespecting him, even spitting in his face. And trying to get Jesus to sin, just like he tries to get us to sin every single solitary day. Now ask yourself, think in your minds right now. If you were the creator of the universe, if you were Christ Jesus and you were standing there with Satan right there before you, and you had the unlimited power and unlimited authority that Christ has, would you be able to hold yourself back from taking this pesky might, pesky Satan, and just squashing him right underneath your thumb right there? If you're honest, you could say whatever, but I'm being honest, and I could tell you that I would say no. I would have absolutely crushed him in a heartbeat. And now remember, you know exactly every single thing that Satan's ever done to your little children since the beginning of time. You know how many wars he started. You know how much disaster he's caused. You know how much pain he's caused those whom you love, which are his creation, God's creation, all people all over the world, all over since mankind began. And now not only do you know, not only do you know all those things, all those things that he's done against your beloved creation, but now you are getting a first-hand account. You're getting a first-hand forearm in the face, breaking his nose and giving him black eyes. and You're getting a first-hand taste from the flesh side of things. So it's not only something you know that's happening, but now it's actually happening to you. I could tell you again, I can't say with all heart, I'd say I just let him keep going. I'd be like, it's time, let's get it on. And all Jesus would have had to do is think one disastrous thought against Satan. All right, crush him right now like a napkin. And Satan would have been gone, destroyed, boom, gone, out of here. Wiped him off the face of the planet forever. Wiped him off all eternity, all of creation forever. Think of that. How could you stop yourself? How did Jesus stop himself? Well, that's the question that eluded me and has eluded me for so long. Why? Why, God? Why wouldn't you, Lord? Why wouldn't you just crush him and end all and, and all pain, all suffering, all his attacks, his temptations toward mankind. I think it's amazing that he didn't. And we're faced with the why question again. Well, I like the whys because when I ask God why, he tells me why. Because the Bible says when you really seek God, you'll find. When you ask, you will receive. So I asked why, and God for the first time ever showed me why. He's allowed, probably just one of the reasons, I'm sure there's more, probably just at least one of the reasons why he allowed Satan and all the demons and all the evil to continue on from all creation past until the very day that Jesus met until even our day to now. 
And believe it or not, we find ourselves at love once again. Love. And they say, how can God, who is love, how would he, why would he allow all the evil to keep going to show love? That doesn't make sense. What? I I don't understand that. Let's look at it. So God put up with Satan and all the evil in the world for the sake of people and the gifts of a personal relationship, salvation from sin, and eternal life that he wants to give people. And let me go deeper into what I mean. God has allowed all this to continue so that he may show us his love. Just like in our text today, Christ is putting up with Satan because he wants to show us how much he loves us. Not just say it with his words. See, from God's perspective, love is not a word. Love is an action. Look at some verses with me. You can turn over to John 3.16. And I know everybody knows it, and maybe everybody doesn't want to go. Everybody doesn't want to... Turn to it, but go to John 3.16 and I'll explain to you what I mean with some verses with love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I know we've heard that verse probably thousands of times. People show it at football games. They hold up the little sign, John 3.16, but break it down. What are we talking about today? Love is action, right? For God so loved, so God so loved, the world, everybody in the world, that what? He said it with his mouth. No. He gave his only begotten son. And here's what I'm talking about as far as the why today, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God's love, he didn't just say it. He gave an action on his love. He so loved, and then that love caused him to have an action. He gave his only begotten son. Go over, if you're in John, jump over about 11 verses to John 14, 31. John 14, 31. Jesus, speaking to his disciples about his death and resurrection, tells them, so that the world may know that I love the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Again, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Oh, I spoke some good words and I told him so in a prayer. No. No, 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 no. As the Father gave me commandment, so I do. When a husband loves his wife, if he just tells her, I love you, but doesn't show her he loves her, how does that wife know that that husband loves her? He, she doesn't. If I tell my wife, I love you, and then uh, that's all I do, and I never take her out to dinner, or I never give her a back massage, or I never make breakfast for her ever, and I never do anything to show her my love, 
then she doesn't really know I love her. Go to Romans 5, verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. Turn with me if you would. And it reads, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, if there has to be one in the whole Bible, this would have to be exactly what we're talking about today. For God demonstrates his love and that he really spoke some good verses in the Bible. No. For God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he did an action. Christ died for us to pay that penalty of that sin, to prove his love to us, not just say his love to us. The Lord just doesn't say he loves us with his lips, but he shows us with his actions. Ever heard that saying, actions speak louder than words? Well, Jesus is the epitome of that. He is the ultimate of that. Actions speak louder than words. So, although hard to understand, Jesus did not understand, because it is a simple truth, he didn't understand, he didn't destroy Satan, nor has he destroyed Satan up until right now today, uh, November 11, 2012. Hasn't destroyed Satan to this point. So he hadn't destroyed Satan here because he lets things go on so that he continues to show us his amazing love for us. Because without all of these expressions of love, that Christ gave us, that Christ expressed for us, how could we really say with confidence that God is love? Again, I go back to the husband and wife analogy. You only know someone loves you if they prove it to you. Well, with destroying the tempter, how could Christ or God prove his love for us? He'd have to just say it. That wouldn't be good enough for God. But God is love, and we need to see that everything that he allows us to go through in this life are all because he loves us. He is demonstrating his love to us even though, or, I'm sorry, excuse me, he is demonstrating his love to us and even through us to others that are not with him. Through tough times, he shows his faithfulness. Through our pain, he is there for us to fall upon for comfort. And through every trial, he constantly gives us hope. You see that from cover to cover in the whole word of God, everything in between, along with all that, that he allows to happen in the world are all because he loves people. He wants to show us his love for this, for us, not just tell us. And he wants, of course, for us all to be saved, 2 Peter 3, 9. For God is not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and be saved and walk with him and love him. So, we see again, God's love 
What does God's love spark? God's love sparks his long suffering toward us. Because God could have wiped everything out way a long time ago, but he didn't. But he didn't. Because he's long suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Another example of the love of God. How long-suffering He is. How patient He is with people. That He's patient with people and He constantly reaches out to people whether they accept Him or reject Him to, from the moment they're born to the day that they die. Whether or not they accept Him or whether or not they reject Him, He's still long-suffering toward them. Look at not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. Wow. You know what? God could have made robots. He could have made us all robots. He could have just made mankind to have his will and not to have free will and to force you to worship him and force you to love him and force you this and force you that like a like an animal, a dog, a cat, a bird. They all do exactly what they were designed and what they were created to do. They have no free will. They just do their thing. But he didn't want that. Because he wants to show people with a free will that could choose evil or choose good, how much he loves them, so that, of course, we would see that love and decide to say, I see that love and how much he loves me, I'm going to turn to him. Because we want to, not because we have to. That's the key difference with God. He wants your worship and your love to be because you want to, because you see his love and you respond to his love, and you turn to his love by everything, by, by Matthew chapter 4 and the whole Bible. God is long-suffering and waiting and patient for man to come to him. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So as we get into temptation 2 in Matthew, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Let's look at what Jesus did for us again. Let's read verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So that's, that's our text. Let's look at what Jesus did for us. The first thing that screams out to me as I read this text, you can't avoid it as you sit there and read it. Let's look at the location that Satan decided to attack Jesus. The location he chose was the holiest city in the world, and it was the holiest place in the world, the temple of God. Did you just catch that, what, what Satan did? I don't know if that jumps out at you as well as it did me. He took Jesus to those holiest places and attacked him there. In this era of Jews, and even Jews to this day, but only in this era did they have a temple. They don't have a temple anymore. They had synagogues where they could meet together, hear the word of God, uh, hear, the, hear the, the, the priests and so on and so forth and they had to meet there and so on but they only had one temple in all the world 
only one, and it was the holiest place in all the world, according to God and his word. Now, people have misconceptions about Satan and his attacks and the whole on, so bit, and so on and so forth. And one misconception that people have is that Satan won't attack me spiritually while we're in church or while we're around the church because that's a holy place of God. Well, not according to this scripture here. Satan attacked Jesus at the holiest place in the world and the holiest city in the world. And it did not bother him at all to do that. It was a piece of cake. Satan has no morality or rules when he attacks. He attacks anywhere and everywhere and whenever he sees an opportunity. Satan has guts. And not only does he have guts, spits in God's face. Spits in God's face. Taking him to this place that he took him. He could have taken him to a cliff or a mountain range or some kind of tall place. and He could have done anything he wanted. Could have taken him anywhere to any high place that he wanted to, but he didn't. He took Satan, or he took Satan took Jesus to the temple, and there was a reason for that. Satan doesn't respect God, and Satan saw an opportunity to catch God in the flesh, and to just, you know, he was going to go all out. So the temptations that Christ faced, absolutely unbelievable. So look at the verses again that Satan tempted Jesus with. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now if you turn with me to Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. So as we go to Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, we find that those are real verses in the Word of God. They're actual verses that David wrote, Psalmist David, King David wrote. They're real word for word. Uh, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. These are real deal, full out, word for word verses when you read them over. The difference is here, is that contextually they're wrong. Satan used them in a wrong context. He used them to try to tempt Christ to sin, to go against God, and to tempt God, oh, if God do this, so God will just protect you no matter what you do. Yeah, just jump off a cliff and kill yourself. It's okay, God will protect you because, you know, go ahead and do it. Here, David in Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12, David is simply talking about how God delivers mankind from evil when we make him our refuge. That's the difference. So contextually speaking, Satan used the real word of God, actual word for word, word of God, he used it to tempt Jesus, but he just changed what the meaning of it was. That's called context. Change the meaning. Satan will never, he ne there is no, he stoops as low as you can go. He has, there's no, however low you want to, you think he can go, he goes that low, and he goes even lower than that, uh, however low you think he can go. So, another thing we see in this attack number two is, of course, again, 
the attacking of the character of Christ. If you are the Son of God, just like we talked about last week, if you are the Son of God, Satan doesn't ever give up throwing cheap shots at people. So it's important to know on his attacks, Satan is a spirit. He doesn't need to sleep, rest, eat, or even regroup. He just moves on to the next attack. Uh, he might stop momentarily, but this is only to trick us into thinking that he's, you know, give up, that, that we've won. But he goes on. He doesn't run out of resources. They're unlimited. He doesn't run out of manpower, his fallen angels and his fallen demons. Or he doesn't run out of, you know, his fiery dart. He doesn't run out of, or ammo. He doesn't run out of his fiery darts or anything. He literally doesn't ever stop, he doesn't have to stop attacking if, uh, unless we fight back. Satan is the best military strategist that there's ever been in the world. And a good military strategist will put on the heat of an attack for a while. And if they don't have success, they will back off and let you have a false sense of peace and they'll let you put your guard down and they'll let you relax and they'll let you have peace. And then right after that, they'll come back even harder at another opportune moment to attack even stronger when your guard is down. And Satan is the best military strategist that there's ever been. Paul warns of, us of this as far as temptation goes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Uh, he says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Be careful how, oh, I can handle, I can handle any kind of temptation, or I can handle any kind of spiritual attack. And even Paul warns us, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And very key point here. And don't think, well, I'm a super spiritual guy or girl or whatever, and this, that, or the other thing, because key point, if G if Satan tempted Christ in this way, used God's real deal word, exactly what it says, and exactly, you know, word for word, on Jesus, he's gonna do it to us. He has no respecter of persons. He he attacks anybody and everybody and whoever he can. And if he's going to attack the creator of the world and universe in that way, don't think he's not going to attack you that way. So, Christian, beware. People, beware. So, how can we be ready for the attack that involves this from this master trickster that twists God's word into temptation all over the world? How can we be ready? Well, simply, what did Jesus do? Look at it again. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus saw right through what he was trying to do. It is written. Now this counterattack only works if we know the word of God in a strong way. Example, reading it daily, meditating on it, knowing it by heart. Uh, the psalmist David again wrote in Psalm 119.11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So, David knew the attacks of Satan, just like we know them today. We even see them firsthand, day after day after day, especially even today, right at church. Isn't that amazing? So, we see that the Word of God is important for us to know intently, not just happen chance or church on Sunday. The Word of God is important to know all the time and in depth because that Satan used that attack the way he did if Jesus wouldn't have known the word of God like he did 
oh, that sounds, yeah, I, I, I can jump. Absolutely, I can jump, and God will, God will, that's what God's word says. He'll protect me, and he would have jumped, and he might have died. Okay? Now, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, James writes it in this way. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And he only reaffirms what Christ did to Satan here. So this is our only refuge from Satan's attacks. If we, A, submit to God, or hold on to the promises of God, trust in God, and follow God, that, that's the first part, or, or and B, and resist Satan, or use the written word of God back at Satan when he attacks you. Because it's not if, it's when as we've even just seen today. It's when he attacks you, got to be ready. This is our only hope of defeating Satan as he throws these attacks at us. And so, in recap for anybody that's living for God, it will happen. We just have to be ready. So in closing, we look back at the love of Christ as the reason he even went through all these attacks in the first place. The reason why he lets evil happen, the reason he lets anything happen, is so he can continue to demonstrate his love toward us in actions. So as we looked at how much Jesus loves us by the way he showed us in his love and suffering for us, so that we may be saved, we must also look at what God wants from us. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3. 3 through 5, if you want to turn there, so you don't have to. First John writes it this way. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So, of course, the very first thing that God wants from us is for us to submit to him, to surrender our lives to him in a daily way. Not just a one-time thing, but in a daily way, God says, submit to me. And 1 John said it right on, the, right on the head. He who does not do what God says does not know God. That's number one. And as we're currently doing this, an ongoing thing that goes on to the day we die, he also wants our obedience as well. Jesus says in Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He is saying here that we will live our lives for someone. We'll either live our lives for ourselves and the things that we want and our goods and our pleasures and our things or we'll live our lives for God because either we'll love one and hate the other. Jesus said there's no in-between. And remember, actions Speak louder than words. 
God's love is an example to us. That as God showed us His love, and that's real love, God also expects that if you really love Him, then your love toward Him would be real, not just in words, but in actions. Yet, we're in America, and so many people in America will put the title of themselves as Christians, and they'll call themselves Christians. But their lives do not match up with the way Christ lived. When we go back to 1 John, he who says he abides in him ought to as well do as Jesus did. The title Christian means little Christ or Christ-like. Not to make a simple proclamation and then not live by it. You see, if we do love God, then our lives are going to show it. By the way we live, by the way we talk, by the things that we watch, by the things that we do. This is what the Bible says, not me. And of course, along with that, God also wants us to trust in Him, in Him alone, and put our trust in Him with our finances, with our emotions, with our lives, with everything in our daily lives, for our daily things, and also for our eternity as well. So, to the Christian that I'm speaking to, that heard this, Satan will stoop to any depth of lowness that he can in order to attack you, in order to destroy you, mentally, physically, spiritually. The Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Satan is our enemy. And he is not happy if you're just in suffering or in pain. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to tempt you and test you and have you tempt God and all kinds of things. Not trust in God the whole bit. So our Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. And this is going to be physical and spiritual. So be ready. Be ready for what Satan will throw at us because he will attack us, even as we saw here today. For those that are listening to this, that have a profession of Christ or, or maybe don't know Jesus at all, you have to look at the love of God and what he did for you. Please look at the love of God and what he did for you and see how his love, because he loved, caused a reaction, caused a response. His love caused him to do things. And if you say you love God, but you don't act on it, the Bible said that that's not real love. So I encourage you to get right, because life is short. And God wants you to love him back, and that's not just words. God wants you to love him back with your actions, not just with your words. So anybody... Let's listen right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to not just pray a prayer, but to just have a moment to take it on your heart and cry out to God in your heart and say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I'm ready to turn from my wicked ways because although I either call myself a Christian or I don't know you at all, I don't live for you. And clearly in the word, the Bible says we must live for Christ, not just say we know him. So I pray right now for that person out here that's listening that's not a Christian that's hearing this, even though they may say they're one, 
I pray, dear God, that you would show them your truth in your words, just like we looked at today. Actions speak louder than words. And I pray that they would take that ultimate step of repentance or come back, Lord God, as they maybe knew you one, before, one time before, but now they're not knowing you now. And I pray that they would come back to you, Lord God, right now and recommit themselves to Christ and make a decision today to say, I'm not going to live this lifestyle that I live anymore. I'm going to live a lifestyle that honors God. I want to live a lifestyle that honors Christ. God, I pray for that person that they would truly give themselves to you today wholly and fully, seeing how much you love them and seeing what you did for them. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would turn back to you. And Lord God, I pray for the Christian, us, me, whoever that's listening that's a Christian. Lord, I pray you prepare us for those attacks that Satan will attack us with. And I pray you get us ready and prepare us, Lord God, because they're coming. They're coming. They're not going to not come. They're coming. And Lord, I pray you prepare us that when they come, that we be prepared. It is written. With thee, it is written. I pray we'd be more Bible scholars. I pray we'd be more into your word and more listening and reading what you want us to listen to and read. And I pray, dear Jesus, that you would prepare us and just protect us even and help us to protect ourselves, Lord God, and teach us how to protect ourselves. Wherever anybody's at that's listening, Lord God, I just pray you'd touch them in their special spot right now and just wherever they are and get to them, whatever they need to do, wherever they need to be better for you. And I pray your will be done, God. And I just ask these things and pray these things in Jesus' name.